Hey, 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 hey. I tell you what, there's no one that introduces better than Mr. Judah Burrell. He kills it. Hey, uh, I just want to share a little bit about my week before we start. It's been a crazy week. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, we had the Strong Nation Academy Awards Night. It was really cool. There are a few performers here tonight. We had Amaris and Tamara and, and I think Maya may be here as well, Maya Prevo. Absolutely killing it up on that stage. So that was Monday, Tuesday. And on Wednesday, uh, Windsor High had their formal, year 10 formal. So we got to go and take some photos with, with Alia and Waki up at the boat ramp, which was really cool. The girls were looking absolutely amazing. Probably a little bit too amazing. But anyway, you've got to let things go. As a parent, it's cool. And then uh, last night, last night, uh, if you're from uh, Windsor South Public School, raise the room right now. Woo, only a couple, right. Well, that didn't work, Solly. That didn't work. Well, anyway, last night it was the year six leaving party and my daughter Tamara and the rest of the gang over there. Who we got over there? We got Bailey, Archie, who's that? Liam, yeah, few, few of the crew. They had their year six uh, leaving party last night. So that was, that was really, really cool. And then... Now tonight I get to stand up here and, and talk, have a conversation with you guys. So it's been a week, but I'm ready for it. Are you guys ready for it? Come on, man. I thought we spoke, oh, there it is. I thought we spoke about this last time. Crowd participation, let's go, let's go. Actually, it only feels like yesterday I was up here speaking about what is your ministry. I don't know, I don't know how you pass this. Pastor Rick, Naomi, I don't know how you guys do this week in, week out, bringing the word of God, super stressful, but you know what? I'll do what he is asking me to do. So tonight, I'm here to share about living for the next generation. And I want to share with you a few of my thoughts and my concepts about, around what it means by living for the next generation. And I'll be honest, the first thing, the very first thing that came to my mind was, how would I speak to my kids? How would I speak to my kids? Don't worry. I, I'm not up here tonight to be like, yeah, I'm your father, you know, he's your daddy. I'm not here to do that. It's not going to happen. In fact, it would actually be very easy for me personally. I mean, when I say easy, I mean probably lazy. So it would be very lazy of me to just to get up here and, and talk about my kids and use my kids as an example for living for the next generation. Although I do have my thoughts about it. I'll share a couple you see, I, I feel like I live and I work for my kids. Pretty simple, right? I make money. I, I, I put hot meals on the table. Even if it's KFC and McDonald's, I, I'm doing what I'm being asked to do, right? Takeaways. I buy them clothes. I, I do everything in service for the next generation. You feel me? But that's more my duty as a, as a parent. You know, that's, that's, that's dad's job. You know, to, to go out there and to provide for their family. It's like, a, it's like a, an unsigned, you know, contractual agreement when you have children and they're born into this world. They're like, that one's yours, right? Let's go. I'll look after you. That's, you know, it's, it's a father's duty. So I don't want to do that. Even though it's an absolute blessing to be a father, I, I don't want to do that. I want to go a little bit deeper. So tonight I want to expand further on what it means to live for the next generation. And I want to lay down some challenges. I'm good like that. Who likes challenges? Who's super competitive in the house tonight? I'll be picking on you later, Ethan. You said it. Let's go. So 
I want to unpack a few points on what I believe this actually means, to live a purposeful and intentional life. Living for the next generation. You can get caught up in it. It's a little bit scary, but let's just do it. But first, I want to pray. Father God, I thank you that I can be here tonight to share what you have put on my heart. Father, I pray that as I speak, that your words will speak to the hearts of the congregation and through the live stream tonight. I pray that everyone would have a personal encounter and experience with you, God. We are so grateful. In Jesus' mighty name, and the house said, amen. Amen. All right. Who's been to New Zealand? Put your hands up. So quite a few. That's good. Has anyone ever heard of a place called Rotorua? Rick, awesome. Pastor Rick, it's got my back. Well, about 20 odd years ago, yes, 20 odd years ago, I went to Te Wānanga Motaiaha o Mokoia. Hey, try to say that again. <clears throat> it's, like a, it's like a school holiday program where um, young men and, and, and old men, we go and we learn the ways of our, our ancestors in Māori weaponry. And in particular, this thing called a taiaha. And it's, it's kind of like where I'd say a Jedi Knight would go to learn the ways of the Force, if you would. And so I would have been 13 or 14 years old. And uh, we went there for seven days. And I literally spent seven days working hard, listening, taking it all in, learning. I had my little shirt off. Little David had his little pecs out. He's like, mm, doing this thing, right? And I was learning about Taiaha and what it meant, not just for the people there on that island, but before all my ancestors before me. It was super cool. Anyway, long story short, at the end of this wānanga, they select two warriors, a junior and a, se and a senior. And I thought, ooh, here's my chance. I'm going to give this one a go. I would have been about that high. And all I did for those seven days was focus on the guy in front of me. And luckily for me, the guy in front of me happened to be my older brother, Sam. So I had an example right there in front of me, my older brother, Sam. All I would do for those seven days was just absolutely do everything that my older brother did. I needed that. I was young. I was scared. I was topless. But I had someone in front of me showing me the way. I ended up winning. I got the warrior of the wānanga. I took this really cool motaiaha back home and showed my dad, and I thought that was super, super cool. So on this island, they've got incredible mentors. And the responsibility of passing down this knowledge, I'm telling you now, they take it very, very seriously. You know, once upon a time, uh, these mentors at some point were actually just mentees from the same program. And 20 years later, not this year because of COVID, but 20 years later, this program is still running. And the next generation of men are being educated about our history and our culture. How cool is that? So when I was thinking about living for the next generation, I was reminded about the importance of mentorship. So here's my first point for tonight. Living for the next generation requires mentorship. So let me ask you a question. Who's your mentor? Shout it out. Go on. Who's your mentor? Yep. 
I've got mentors. I've got, I got Darren Millichamp up the back there. I've I got Pastor Rick, Pastor Jesse. I've got mentors everywhere. In the Bible, there are many examples of mentorship. Jesus chose the disciples. Elijah chose Elisha. Barnabas chose Paul. But I want to focus on the, the mentor-mentee relationship between Paul and Timothy. So I believe after Paul's first missionary journey, his focus turned to raising the next generation. And he knew that in order for the churches to survive, he needed to appoint leaders within those churches. And so he started to work with Timothy, started raising up Timothy. So who, who was this guy, Timothy? Well, Timothy was from Lystra, which today is, I believe, is modern Turkey. And see, his father was a Greek, which means he, he was Gentile, and his mother was a Jew, and her name was Eunice. I said that properly because I YouTubed it. So his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois taught Timothy scriptures from a very young age. Now, Timothy, they say, uh, was probably converted to Christianity during Paul's first missionary journey, but they don't actually know that for sure. It's just an assumption. But Timothy later joined Paul on his second missionary journey and went on to achieve some pretty incredible things. He, uh, he acted as Paul's scribe. Can you remember, you remember what a scribe did? I think Elijah preached on that last term and all the efforts and yeah, crazy stuff. He was, he was Paul's scribe. He also co-authored some of the New Testament books, Second uh, Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2, Thessalonians, and Philemon. But when Paul was in prison, what could he do? Not a lot, but he still had Timothy. Timothy represented Paul in Corinth and in Philippi, and he converted untold people to Christianity. Those are some pretty incredible achievements. Here they are. Did he do all these things in his own strength? No, I, I don't believe so. Did, did, he, did Timothy just get lucky? No, I don't think so either. I honestly and I truly believe Timothy did so well because he had such a strong mentor in front of him in Paul. And you know what I've learned in the past 12 months? Mentorship is hard. Mentoring is a long process. It takes a lot of time. Like, here's me thinking, ah, oh, it'll be a school term. Mentorship right there. No. Hey, it might even just be, you know, uh, a greater than 1K conference weekend thing. Do some mentorship. Whew. That's not how it works. It's not a Friday night thing. It's not a, it's not a Sunday morning thing. It's a life thing. We can learn forever if we're willing. But it takes time and it takes sacrifice. Amen? Amen. Which brings me to my second point tonight. Living for the next generation requires sacrifice. And no, I'm not talking about, you know, taking the blood of an animal out the back somewhere as a sacrifice. It's not that. What's wrong? You don't like that, Beth? You don't like that? Too much? Okay. No, no, no. I'm talking about, I am talking about giving up something that you value for the sake of something more important. That's what I'm talking about, that type of sacrifice. If you want to save for a new car, Evie, you got to sacrifice. You got to save your money. You can't spend it. 
If you want to, you know, if you want to go to the gym and you want to lose weight, guess what? No Friday night Maccas for you. You got to sacrifice. If you, if you allow your oldest child to leave school early to start an apprenticeship and he doesn't have a license, guess what? It takes sacrifice. Living for the next generation takes sacrifice. And when I was, when I was thinking about this, one of the, one of the biggest hurdles the next generation has to deal with today is actually technology. Woo, technology. Like with all things, what comes with the goods, you know, there's always some bad that follows behind it. Light and shade, baby, light and shade. Here's a, here's a bit of good. Okay, technology, food, clothes, experiences, they are super accessible. Right, right in our fingertips. We can do it all day long. We get the, the convenience of being able to just lie on our couch and have Uber Eats drop something off for us. In fact, we actually use technology to order more technology. And the crazy thing is these days, you don't even need to go to the shop to pick it up. You just got to spend $100 or more. Free shipping. It's how it works. Free shipping. Millennials, put your hands up. That's 1981 to 1996. If you were born there, you, you're a millennial. Man, there's like two of us. <laughs> I set myself up for that one. <clears throat> Generation X, 97 to 2012. Were you born there? Boom, quite a lot of these, right? This is normal for us. This is normal for us. We have this, this thing called a smartphone, and we can do all this thing. This is, this is just our way of life. I'm telling you now, Andre... Andre did all his Christmas shopping from his bedroom on a phone and got it delivered to our doorstep. Easy. Technology. It's a good thing. But here's, here's a little bit of the bad side of technology. You ready? Ooh. Technology. We get instant gratification through social media platforms. There's that word, social media. Taking pics for the gram. Likes on Facebook, streaks on Snapchat. I don't even have Snapchat. This, this, this generation is 24-7 live. We're just live all the time. Shush, Dad, I'm live. Right, got it. But here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What social skills are we now lacking? If we do all our socializing online, what are we lacking now? It's scary to think. Also, what life skills are we lacking? Do we know how to conversate with each other anymore? Or is it, I'll just hit you in the DMs. Is that, is that how you say it? That's how you say it, eh? Woo! I'm all over it. What false insecurities are now being birthed because we just live this Facebook, Instagram life? You know, when I was, when I was preparing my message, I came across this guy called Simon Sinek. Has anyone heard of him? He's this really cool, uh, inspirational um, speaker. And he was talking about growing up in the Facebook slash Instagram world, which means that no matter how hard you try, we are insanely good, insanely good at putting filters on everything, including our lives. We're just really super good at it now. We're really good at showing people that, oh, our life is amazing. It's so cool, but... The reality is, deep down inside, we're hurting. We're sad. 
but don't worry about it. Chuck a filter on it. We'll be good. And he was talking about, um, he was talking about our engagement and with phones and with social media releases this chemical called dopamine. Everybody say dopamine. Say it one more time. Dopamine. So dopamine makes us feel good. Woo! Makes us feel real good. Dopamine. So that's why you feel good when you get a text message from someone or a notification that you just got a heart on the latest TikTok that you just posted. And the crazy thing is that the more attention that we get through our mobile phones and social media, the more of this, this dopamine is just flying around in us. And we love it. It feels good. It feels amazing. But here's the thing. That chemical dopamine has the same effect on your feelings when you do some not so good things. Check me out. Smoking, drinking, gambling, just to name a few. In other words, dopamine is highly, highly addictive, massively addictive. And so his argument was uh, when it comes to technology, there are, there, there are age restrictions for drinking and, and smoking and gambling, but there's no age restrictions for mobile phones and social media. And we're addicted, highly addictive. So now we have a, a generation of you know, people who are addicted to their mobile phones, and it's not even their fault. You didn't ask to be a millennial or Gen Z. It just happened. It's not your fault. But it is a massive hurdle. So here's the challenge, Ethan. How do we change this narrative? No, I just set him up there. He thought it was, no, nah, I'm not going to do that to you. How do we, how do we change this, this narrative? So you might be sitting there thinking, Dave, the, this problem, this, that's, a, that's not a me problem. That's a, that's a Scott Morrison problem. That's a... You, you, you better get, get a hold of the UN, mate, because that is just way, way above me. It's not going to happen. I might, I might write a letter to uh, a current affair or something, maybe. But I want to challenge you. Think outside the box. How can we change this narrative? I'll give you one example. So during huddle last term, I was chilling with the, the Hawkesbury Mentor Group, and my boy, my man, Elijah, he raised a really good point about how do we engage our youth during the service. And in my immature mind, I'm like, easy, a rock, paper, scissors challenge, easy. And he's just like, mm, no, it's got to be more. And, and, and he came up with this great idea about putting our phones down during the service and, and, and bringing journals to write down our notes. It's really easy for us to take notes in our phones, but here's the thing. When we get a text, ooh, dopamine. When we get a notification, it's even harder to not check it. Put your hands up if you checked something in church before, one service, everyone, right? I've done it, we've done it, Anne's done it, we've all done it. Sorry, Anne, just came out, just came out. So when you find yourself checking these notifications, here's, you ready? Here's the truth. Your phone is actually pulling you away from God. That's the reality. Your phone is pulling you away 
from God. So we wanted to bring back the healthy staple of, you know, journaling. And there's a few journals out there tonight, which is amazing. Hashtag bring the journal back. Let's make it a thing. Uh, it's been a great way to put down the distractions of a phone and focus on what God is doing during the message. And it's been awesome. It's been, it's been real cool. Every week, there's more and more youth coming and they're, and they're taking notes and they're, they're reflecting on it uh, at a later time, which is amazing. But I will say this. You just turn me up. Mobile phones are not the problem. They're not. In my opinion, imbalance is the problem. Social media is awesome. It's cool. That's not the problem. Imbalance, again, is the problem. Advancements in technology is, is awesome. I love it. If, if we can balance it out. Because if not, it can be quite detrimental. Even with myself, I'm not sure if I've got this balance right at all. So I'm preaching to myself here tonight too. But let's do a little bit of a heart check. You ready? Here comes some challenge. If the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is roll over, turn your alarm off, and open up Facebook or Insta and start scrolling, then possibly you might have an addiction to your phone. Or you might have FOMO. You just want to know what's going on. You just got to be up with the latest fashion. I, I don't know. I don't know. Perhaps this is a small sacrifice you can make. Just a small one. Spend less time on your phone and social media and spend more time simply being present. Just be present. Actually, it reminds me of this really famous Bruce Lee quote. You guys know Bruce Lee, right? I'm not that old. Yeah, cool. And so he's, so he's, like, he's like pointing up to the moon. And he says, it's, no, I'm not going to do the accent. You, you thought I was going to do the accent. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all the heavenly glory. Pretty cool. Don't focus on your notifications or you'll miss all the heavenly glory. It's one thing to say, yeah, 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 we're going to put our phones down. And, and it's another thing entirely to actually go forth and model that. What's that saying? We need to practice what we preach. In order for people to, to, to lead people, you need to be living out that example yourself. Sacrifice is an everyday occurrence. Every day. In Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Every day, every single day, we have a choice to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And everything that we do, everything, God doesn't force his children to come to him, to obey him. God wants us to choose his ways over our own. So living for the next generation, it, it requires sacrifice. Now I'm not saying we need to sell everything that we own and take that money and give it to somebody else who needs it more. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that we can start very small, like modeling to the next generation that we can actually have balance when it comes to our mobile phones. It's simple. You guys want to model that? 
It's a challenge, I'm telling you now. Put away the distraction so we don't miss all the heavenly glory. I couldn't help myself. I had to do the, it's really bad. I know, I know, I know. Meredith liked it, cool. My third point tonight, you ready? You got your journals out, or your phones, taking notes? Living for the next generation means we need to get ourselves in shape. Oh, oh. You know what, during the, during the COVID lockdown this year, many of our routines changed. Non-essential workers had to stay home. Uh, teachers had to provide uh, learning from home. Schools, yeah, it was just a crazy, crazy time in my house. Toilet paper stocks just evaporated like it was a thing. Like, it's just crazy. What is that, right? And to be quite honest with you, I was on the same bus as Pastor Rick. I was ecstatic. I was excited. I wasn't phased by it. I was actually dealing with it really, really well until I found out they closed all the gyms. And they closed the gyms on me. Look, I'm not a, I'm not a gym junkie by any means. But for me, I've always had this goal of trying to stay active or you know, trying to stay fit. But during the, during the lockdown, I didn't realize you know, the gyms being closed had quite an effect on my mental well-being. Again, everyone say dopamine, say dopamine. Come on, dopamine. So just like the rest of Australia, I had to take out some other form of fitness. So I started running. <clears throat> Woo! Thank you. I started the 2756 club. Total members, one. Just me. No, sometimes it was two or three. Every other day, Andre, tomorrow. Every other day it was two or three. I, I'm telling you now, there was definitely no we run together in this household. It was just not a thing. Want to go for a run? No, it's not happening. And so I set this goal to run a half marathon. Has anyone run a half marathon before? Phil, awesome. Pastor Rick, cool. So I set this goal to run a half marathon before. And I said to myself, okay, 21 case. Can't be that hard. Man, I was totally wrong. In fact, it took me five months and 300K challenges just to get my body into some sort of shape that didn't resemble a pear. And I had to work really hard on my stamina. I had to get my stamina to a certain level before, before I could even attempt 21Ks. It was silly. I mean, look at this body. Look at it. This ain't a running body. I ain't made for that. I'm made for, you know, Macca's Burgers boxes and smashing in 15 minutes. Fries, Coke, and everything. I'll do it all in 15 minutes running. Running ain't a thing in this body. It's not. But in order for me to run this half marathon, I had to get myself into shape. So why am I even telling you this? Well, when I think about living for the next generation, I think about this very concept. We need to get ourselves into shape. We need to get up and we need to get out of some of these personal valleys that we are struggling with so we can speak from experience and, and help others in their journey. How can we help others with their journey, their uh, emotional health, their, their mental health? their spiritual health, their physical health. How, how can we do that if we're struggling with it too and we can't call from experience ourselves? There's something really cool brewing here in this church, Strong Nation. I'm gonna give you a little peek. I've got the, I've got the from Jesse, gave me a look. 
<clears throat> See, as a leadership team, we've just embarked on this really cool journey. It's called Transformation Prayer Ministry. Everybody say that, Transformation Prayer Ministry. Or TPM for short, TPM, I like that. And we're learning how to real, uh, reveal some of these inner beliefs that dwell within us that aren't necessarily true. So the whole idea is that we can allow God to come through and shine light on that so that we can have freedom from those things and not be shackled by these lies or these inner beliefs. Why? I'm glad you asked. Because we can, we can very easily, very easily become prisoners to our own thoughts. Mm. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 5. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. You see, much of our inner belief or internal doubts they come from how we feel and not what we know, how we feel. Let me give you some examples. You ready? I don't feel saved. I don't feel loved. I don't feel it. I don't feel forgiven. So sometimes we... We're taken captive by our own thoughts. Feel. But if we focus on getting ourselves into shape and reminding ourselves about what is true rather than what we feel, then we can put ourselves in a better shape to help others through their journey. This is some uh, really important work and I'm super stoked that we are doing this as a leadership team. It's really cool. Uh, it's, it's personal to you and your journey, and it's between you and Jesus. It's nobody else. But it's really important work. And we can't, we can't neglect the important work because we've got a whole generation behind us watching, learning from us, looking at our behaviors, we need to get ourselves into shape emotionally, spiritually, financially, and physically. Let's go back. Let's, let's go back and we'll go over those points one more time. So point number one, living for the next generation requires mentorship. Has God placed a young Timothy in your life to encourage, to mentor, to guide in the same way that Paul mentored Timothy? Have a think about it. Who's your Timothy? Has God called you to mentor the next generation? Point number two, living for another generation or the next generation takes sacrifice. Now, we're not called to change the world in one day. We couldn't do it anyway if we wanted to. God could, easy. But sacrifice should be a daily occurrence. So let's start small, real small. What is something in your world that you value 
probably something that you put a little bit too much value on. What is that? Are you putting that before God? Because if you are, you may want to consider laying that down. I'm not telling you what to do. Just think about it. Point number three, living for the next generation means getting ourselves into shape. This is the scary one. You ready? What's holding you back? What's holding you back? What belief system are you, are, are you holding on to that is an absolute lie? What is robbing you from fulfilling the plan that God has for your life? You know what? You have a unique plan. It's, it's, it's an individual plan for your life. God doesn't have, you know, cookie cutter set plans and picks one up and goes, you know, you 559,000 people can have that plan. It's not. It's a unique plan for your life. Let's get ourselves into shape so we can run the good race. Amen? Amen. Can I, can I get the band to come up here, please? That'd be awesome. So I'm a little bit out the box. I'm a little bit out the gate. That's probably a better way to say it. So I wanted to finish tonight by doing something just a little bit different. I want to finish off tonight with an offering talk. And everybody said, what? We don't do offering talks anymore. But I can assure you that I will not be talking about offering and money. That's not what I'm here to do. See, as we've heard in tonight's message, living for the next generation requires sacrifice. And we've learned that technology has both good and bad impacts on this generation. And although as a millennial or Generation Z, Z we've learned that it's, it's hard, but it's not our fault. Man, we are dealing with things that the generation before us, they didn't have to navigate it. The landscape has changed. Everything is different now. They had their own things that they had to climb. But ours is pretty tough. You want to know why? Because it lives right here in our hands. I don't know. Maybe we just got down a bad hand. But whatever the circumstances are, I'm still thinking about this thing right here. My my mobile phone. You see, using your mobile phone to take notes during the sermon, it's not a bad thing. It, it really isn't. It's not a distraction from what God's trying to do. It's not. But it's my lack of restraint, my human flesh it's so, so hard to not check that text message or not check that notification. So it's a distraction. And I guess what hurts me personally is this realization that this thing can pull me away from God. 
Psalm 4 verse 5 says this. Offer sacrifices in the right spirit and trust the Lord. See, in this verse, King David is, in, is encouraging his followers to honor God properly. You see, God only accepts worship that is offered to him in spirit and in truth. God calls on every believer to decide in their own heart what they want to give. But here's the key. Whatever we decide to give, whether it is the gift of money or the gift of service or the gift of, of time, we must give it without obligation. We can't be resentful about it. See, what we give as a gift is only a gift if we don't feel obligated to give it. Does that make sense? No obligation. So tonight, I'd like to challenge the way you think about offering, sacrificing our distractions as an act of worship could just simply mean putting your phone down during a service. And by doing this, we're saying, God, I put nothing above you, nothing at all. I want to honor you properly, God. Here's my sacrifice, the gift of time. And I give this gift willingly and cheerfully. So I'm going to pray. Father God, we thank you for the word tonight. We thank you that you are all understanding. And though we may be dealing with distractions in this world, we willingly lay it down as an act of worship to you. God, we want to offer sacrifices in the right spirit and trust in you, Lord. We thank you so, so much. We are honored that you have called us to live our lives for the next generation. Father God, we pray that you place a raging desire to fall head over heels for the next generation. We want to fall in love with the next generation, Lord, so we can walk alongside them as they continue to grow in a deeper relationship with you, Father, and continue to share the gospel. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who you sent to us to die for our sins so that we may be in relationship with you. And everybody said, amen.